Thanks for checking out the One Church podcast today. If you are new to One Church and want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at imonechurch.com. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. You got a Bible, you can turn to Psalms 30, verse 11 through 12. Psalms 30, verse 11 through 12. I'm going to jump into today's message because I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. And uh, I think it's going to be good. Psalms 30, 11 through 12. We have a saying here, quiet church is a? Dead church. Quiet church is a what? Dead church. We're not a dead church, are you? No. All right, let's talk. Let's do this. The louder you amen, the better I preach. The louder you amen, the quicker I get done. <laughs> the last thing is not true, but the first thing is definitely true. Psalms 30, 11 and 12, it says this. David speaking, and he says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I might sing your praises to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I give you thanks forever. If you're taking notes today, which I hope you are, because we have a saying that paper doesn't forget, you can title this message, Trade you. Trade you. Okay? That's probably not grammatically correct. So if you're, you are that person, you can put you. But trade you, okay? Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. Thank you that it's sharper than any two edged sword, that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man, they'd come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you use me to speak to the hearts and the lives of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but growing up, I loved to trade. I, I was, I was, we were always looking to trade something somewhere. Come on, your friends got something that you wanted, and so you were trying to angle uh, for a trade. There's always that poor sucker kid at lunch that's trying to pawn his Brussels sprouts for French fries. Come on, dude. It ain't happening, man. I, I appreciate you, uh, but Brussels sprouts and, and French fries are in completely different categories. And so, no, I can't do that. But there's always these trades going on. You know, when uh, we, we would trade G.I. Joe's. Some of you don't know what G.I. Joe's are because you grew up in a horrible time. Uh, but GI Joes were amazing. We would trade. We would trade Nerf guns. We would trade like any video game. Come on, Nintendo video games. We traded them. Like, hey, I, I beat this. Now then, you give me that, and and you can beat that. And that we just did that. We traded everything. That's the way we did things. And and one of my favorite things in the world to trade was baseball cards. I loved baseball cards. It was, and and I I didn't just love everybody. My favorite was Nolan Ryan. Anybody who can give a whooping to a young guy who charges the mound is a hero in my book. Come on. And I know we're Texan. Come on. I know that's not church folk, but this is Texan. And you come out, you come at me, bro. You come at me and you see what happens, right? It was Still one of the greatest things of all time because he did not expect old man Nolan to take him down. 
Come on, he throws a 104-mile-an-hour fastball. How fast do you think that fist is coming at you, right? And uh, anyways, but I loved Nolan Ryan. I just loved him. I, I thought he was amazing. I thought, I, I, and I was always trying to trade cards for him. Like I would, I would get something and I would be like, okay, I'm going to trade this. I, I, and hey, can I, cause I, I wanted every Nolan Ryan card that I could possibly get my hands on. I wanted to trade for it. And the, the whole goal of trading is to come out on the winning end, right? It, it really is. It's to come out on the winning end and and uh, my son, unfortunately, about six years ago, did not come out on the winning end of a trade. Came home, he was pumped, he was excited, and he, he said, hey, Dad, guess what I did today? I said, what? He said, got this rock. <laughs> I looked at the rock. The rock was ordinary. It was like something that you would get out of a parking lot, a gravel parking. It was just a big, white, plain Jane rock. He goes, got this rock today. I said, really? That's awesome. That's incredible. You know, what did you have to, did somebody just give it to you? He goes, nope. Traded it for five bucks. (laughs) And guess what? You know what the guy said? He said he had plenty more where that came from. (laughs) If I bring five bucks tomorrow, he'll give me another rock. I set him down and I said, son, you were on the horrible end of a trade, okay? You did not win that game because that rock does not cost $5. That's just the the way it works. And I had to explain to him, you know, I thought I was a good person at trading. And and I was reading a book recently by Bob Goff called Love Does. uh, and, And he was talking in this book about his son and, and some friends. They were hanging out at the house and they kind of got bored. So they decided one day, you know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to play a game called Bigger and Better. Have you ever heard of this game? I've never heard of it. But what they do is, is they, every one of the, him and his friends started out with a dime. And they went house to house trading, trying to trade something bigger and better for that dime. So the first house they showed up They rang the doorbell. His son rang the doorbell. He said, hey, here's the deal. I'm in a competition with my friends. I'm I'm playing this game. Explain the whole game to him. And then said, I have a dime. Is there anything bigger and better that I can trade for this dime? The man asked his wife, and and he said, you know what? Yeah, I got something. He comes out with a mattress. (laughs) It's a little gross, but whatever. Um, he comes out with this mattress, and so uh, the, uh, Bob Goff's son grabs the mattress, and he carries it to the next house. He rings the doorbell. He said, hey, I'm playing this game bigger and better. Is there anything bigger and better in this house that you could trade for this mattress? He said, you know what? Yeah, I've got an old ping pong table. So he gave him a ping pong table for a mattress. That's a good trade, right? I mean, old dirty mattress, ping pong table. It's a good trade. So he wheeled the ping pong table down the road, rang the doorbell and said, hey, is there anything else uh, bigger and better in this house that you could trade for this ping pong table? So the man looked around and gave him a huge elk head, giant elk head, which is really cool. I, I would take that and I would just go home. But he got this big elk head. So he's carrying around this elk head, goes to the next house and he decides, you know, he had already won the game. Right. He'd already won, right? And he decided, you know what? I want to see how far I can take this. I want to see how far we can get with this. And so he, he kept going house 
to house. He just kept on going house to house to house and trading up and trading different things. And, and guess what? By the end of the night, he drove home in a Dodge pickup truck. He started with a dime and ended up with a Dodge. And some of y'all are like, well, that's a horrible trade. Just kidding, Dodge people, just kidding. But, but he started with a dime and drove home in a Dodge. He was on the winning end of a trade. And here's the thing, is that whoever traded him for whatever it was and gave him a pickup knew that he was on the losing end of the trade. He knew that he was on the losing end of the trade, but he was willing to do it anyway because he wanted this young man to be happy. And what's so amazing about God is that he knows regularly that he's on the losing end of a trade. We come to him and he's on the losing end of a trade. And that's what David is talking about here. If if you read all of Psalms 30, you'll begin to see David realized that he is on the winning end of a trade. He has done something. God has done something great for him. And so he begins to explain to everybody, hey, listen, this is why I worship. This is why I praise. This is why I glorify God. Because he begins to go. He goes, God rescued me. God protected me. God uh, restored my health. God kept me alive when everybody else said I was going to die. God, David was able to trade weeping for joy. He was able to trade mourning for dancing. Come on. God gave him favor. God prospered him. He begins to go down the list and he says, you want to know why I give thanks to God? You want to know why I glorify God? You want to know why I sing praises? Because I'm on the winning end of a trade. God, what God takes mourning and gives joy in its place? What God would do that? I win. That's the truth is people ask me sometimes, why are y'all so excited in church? I just don't understand. I mean, why is everybody clapping even a minute before it starts? I don't understand that. Why is everybody singing so loud? Why is everybody lifting their hands? Why are some people like jumping up and down? Why is that happening? That's weird. I don't understand that. I can really sum it up into two words. We win. We win. I don't know if you read the Bible or not, but we win. Why would I not sing? Why would I not worship? Why would I not shout? Why would I not glorify God? Because here's the thing is God took my sin and he gave me righteousness. God took my sickness and he gave me health. God took my sorrow and he gave me joy. God took aimlessness and gave me purpose. God has done so much for me. How can I not worship him? How can I not glorify him? David was a worshiper because he knew that he was winning in the trade. He knew that he was, God had done something more than he could ever repay. So he said, how can I not worship? He was such a worshiper that his wife looked on and saw him worshiping one time. Said, you're undignified. How dare you? Don't you know that you're the king? How do you worship like this in front of everybody? We win. It's that simple. I win in the trade. God has done so much for me. See, here's the thing. Is that I don't worship because I have to. I worship because I get to. 
Singing songs is not something that we do to fill time. Singing songs is something we do to give thanks to God who has done so much for us. I bring so little to the table and God brings me so much more in return. How do I not lift my hands? How do I not lift my voice? How do I not sing praises to him? How do I not glorify him when I understand so well that I'm winning in the trade? I have breath in my lungs. A family that I love. How can I not sing praises? How can I not glorify God? You know, my family and I are huge Aggie fans. And uh, we were, uh, we love going to, to Aggie football games. Anytime we get a chance, it usually doesn't work really well with our schedule because I'm a pastor and I preach on Sunday mornings. <laughs> And usually games are kind of late on Saturday, so it usually doesn't work out for us uh, very well. But when we get a chance, we go. And, uh, and I love, there is nothing like Aggie football. Okay, I mean, it's, it's louder than any other university. I don't care what you say. It's better than any university. I don't care what you say, right? Uh, all you tea sippers, just hush your mouth, okay? So just kidding. But, but the atmosphere is amazing. The atmosphere is electric. And most everybody would say college football is better than NFL because the fans are amazing, right? It's incredible. Um, but but I, I went to, and, and somebody generously gave us tickets, four tickets to this game. And so we decided, you know what? This is going to be great. We're going to go. And they were good tickets. I mean, good tickets. And uh, so we, we, were, um, we, get, we get our tickets and we have to take an elevator up. And so I'm like, man, this is going to be awesome. Walk over. I'm sitting down in cushioned seats. Let's say Texas A&M on them. I'm like, man, we're like in the owner's box or something. I don't know what's going on. And so we sit there, and the, the game starts, and everyone around me was silent. I was like, what is going on here? Like, I'm the only one yelling. I'm the only one shouting. I'm the only one doing the yells. I'm the only one. And I'm sitting here going, well, maybe it just takes them a little while to get going. And it, it, the game continues, and we would score a touchdown, and they would go. I was like, don't even call yourself an Aggie. What, are you, what is going on? I mean, it's silent around me. Meanwhile, on the other side, they are screaming, they are yelling, they are chill. Here's the deal, is that we end up winning the game, and they never shouted, they never, like, were joyful. It seemed like it was an obligation for them to be there, and I was like, what in the world is going on? So we walk out of the, uh, out of the, uh, the stadium, and I look at my kids, and I said, you did not just go to an A&M game. We were sitting in a section where people had forgotten the team that we were cheering for. Now, here's the deal, is that why would I cheer louder and better for a football team than I would for my Savior? Why would I yell more for a football team that really hasn't done anything for me? They haven't done anything. Why would I cheer louder? Why would I yell more for a football team that hasn't done anything for me than for Jesus? 
who has done everything. Well, church is dignified. Church is a time you celebrate. Church is a time you lift your voice. Church is a time when you clap your hands because you win. Church is a time when you realize and you reflect on who you were before Jesus came into your life and who you are right now. And you haven't arrived yet, but guess what? I'm a lot better than when I started. Church is to celebrate Jesus. Never heard anybody go to a football game and go, hmm, people were way too loud. Did you see that guy? Had his belly painted. What's up with that? Now, please, don't come to church with your belly painted. Side note. Side note. Keep your shirt on, okay? Keep your shirt on. We have ushers that will tackle you. But, but here's, the, here's the deal. Is that we never think that, but we'll, there's people that come into church and they think, why are they so excited? Why do they worship? Why do they glorify God? Why, why, would, why would you do that, that, that stuff? Why, why even, why just have a message? We should just have a message. It's because you're celebrating the goodness of God. That's all it is. We win. In John 12, I love this because we see a trade happening. We see, we see something going on and this trade is going on and trade is happening and and really, we see four types of people in the room. And I think it's very interesting because most of the time, these four types are existent in every room in every church across America. Not this church, because you are amazing. But I'm talking about the churches down the road, you know. You know. I know. But in John 12, verse 1 through 8, let's read it. John 12, 1 through 8. Says this, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus, who had been dead, from whom he had raised from the dead. Come on. You're a bad mamma jamma if you start a sentence with that, right? I mean, he was dead, raised from the dead. Yeah, let's go on, right? Okay. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with the hair of her head. And the house was filled with fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Then he said, not that, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. There's four types of people in this room that we see, and, and, and I, love, I love this because as I begin to study this scripture out, you begin to see them unfold. And the first person, and maybe you can relate to some of these people, but the first person was the busy. 
people that were busy. And, and, and Martha is sitting here and she's, she is serving Jesus. She's getting dinner cooked because dinner ain't cooking itself. She's, I mean, she's trying to get hors d'oeuvres on the table. She's sweeping stuff under the rug because it's got to be clean. Everything's got to look good. Like everything's got to be in its place, right? Everything's got to be perfect. And she's doing all of this stuff and she's busy. And Martha is so busy with the moment that she is preparing for that she misses the moment that she's in. She's so busy thinking about all that needs to be done and that all that needs to happen and everything that needs to go on for this dinner to take place. I mean, after all, Jesus is the son of God. He's in our house. We need to do something. We need to make this happen. And she becomes busy. She misses the moment. She misses an opportunity. She misses something great because she was busy. Few months ago, we were having a surprise party uh, for a friend of ours and at our house. And it was cold because I think it was like January or February, so it was really cold out. And I was given the task of grilling hamburgers. So I'm out there flipping burgers in freezing temperatures. Nobody else out there, Shane Harrison, wouldn't come out and see me. Gonna call you out right now. <laughs> Flipping burgers, Jimmy sigh. Freezing. Like you got your hands over the grill. <laughs> like, come on, baby. It's <laughs> Freezing. I'm cooking these burgers. And they come out just for a moment. And they said, Hey, the guest of honor has nearly arrived. And I was like, okay, cool. And I'm cooking burgers and I get so focused on the task at hand. That I completely missed the reason why I was doing it. So good. I completely missed the surprise. I'm out in freezing temperatures flipping burgers and I hear, surprise! And I'm like, oh man. <laughs> I missed the moment. And here's the deal is that you can serve in a church and forget the reason why you're serving. That's why we always tell our team, hey, listen, dream team, we want you to sit one and serve one. The reason why is not because we're trying to keep you in church longer. It's because we want you never to forget the reason why we're here. Because you can be in a moment, you can be serving, you can be busy doing things for the kingdom of God, you can be advancing something, and guess what? You've missed the moment. Because here's the deal, is that God says this, where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. I can get so busy serving that I miss the opportunity that's in front of me. I love this. Daniel Wiley says, too often we miss out on opportunities in this life because we are too busy waiting for them to fall in our laps that we miss them tapping on our shoulder. Two or three are gathered there. I am in your midst. I'm here to trade you. The hardness of the week, I'm here to trade you for joy. We're waiting on it to fall in our laps, and God is tapping on our shoulder. And we completely miss the moment. Come on, touch three people around you. Say, don't get too busy. 
Don't get too busy. Don't get too busy. The second person that we really see is the critic. You know the critic. That ain't God. Wait, what are you talking about? Come on. The critic. Judas Iscariot is in the room, and Martha, or Mary is worshiping Jesus. She's at the feet of Jesus, and he looks on, and he begins to criticize what she is doing. He begins to complain about what she's doing. He begins to say, you know, I don't understand why she's doing what she's doing, but we could have taken this and we could have sold it and we could have done something. We could do something much better with the time at hand. We don't need to be doing this. What's going on? And he began to criticize what is going on. Mary continued to worship. I love uh, a pastor friend of mine, Tim Hall. He was preaching one day, and he said, I was preaching quite good. You have to know Tim Hall. He's funny. And he said, man, I was preaching good. And he said, this woman comes up to the front, and she begins to dance. He looks at her, and he's like, okay, well, what's going on? I'm preaching good here. You're dancing. This ain't good. This ain't the time. What's going on? So he looks at her, and he said, ma'am, go sit down. She keeps dancing. He said, ma'am, I need you to go sit down. And she just, keep, she just kept dancing. She wasn't listening to him. She kept dancing and she was praising Jesus. He said, ma'am, I said, I need you to go sit down. She finally looked at him while she was still dancing and said, sir, I can't sit down. I've been sitting in a wheelchair for 20 years and Jesus just healed me. Forgive my dancing. Forgive what I'm doing in this moment. See, here's the thing is that you can look on and you can criticize somebody for their worship when they have their hands lifted and tears streaming down their face. But you have no idea where they came from. You have no idea where God delivered them from. You have no idea what God has done in their life. They were addicted and God set them free. Their marriage was on the rocks and God restored their marriage. Their kids were away from Jesus and God brought them back. See, here's the thing. Don't criticize what you don't know. I would rather be a worshiper than a critic. What do critics bring you to the table? I would rather do something for God than have somebody look on and say, well, that's just not the way you do it. Guess what? Get over it. Criticize me. I got to go. And I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, y'all. The last is the silent. The silent. What amazes me is the disciples are all in the room. There's one that's critical that's mentioned, but the rest are sitting completely silent. They're not busy. They're not critical. They're not worshiping. They're just silent. And here's the thing is that they had an opportunity to begin to lift their voice and worship with Mary. After all, they'd seen the goodness of God. They'd seen the things that were done. They'd seen Lazarus raised from the dead. 
still they chose to remain silent. You know, when I married Crystal, the day we got married, I told her how much I loved her. But that wasn't enough. I didn't say, hey, babe, love you. If it ever changes, I'll let you know. How many of you know that would not go over good at all? Every day I tell her, I love you. I'm thankful for you. You're amazing. That's what worship is. Jesus, you're awesome. Thank you for trading me. Thank you for taking my sin, my shame. I glorify you. I worship you. I adore you. I love you. I worship you in this place. See, we sing because of his grace. We sing because of his, well, I don't sing good. God doesn't care. My youth pastor was the worst singer I've ever heard in my life. He sang at the top of his lungs every Sunday because of what Jesus brought him through. Give him your praise. Give him your glory. The last person that we see. So we see the worshiper. You have to imagine this scene unfolding because Jesus is sitting. Mary comes to the feet of Jesus. She begins to weep. She begins to dry his feet with her hair. That's extreme. That's not enough. She takes some oil that was a year's salary that she'd been saving and she poured it out on Jesus' feet. And her weeping fills the room, the fragrance overwhelms. Critics are looking on. Busy people are looking on. Silent people are looking on and she worships. She worships. North Carolina, I love this. There's an Air Force base. And they kept getting called. People would call and complain over and over and over again. Like they got so many calls a day because as the jets would come in for landing, it would rattle the walls. It would rattle people's cars as they were passing by. And so they, they kept on calling and they'd say, it's too loud. It's too loud. Finally, they got fed up and tired of hearing all the complaints and everything that was going on. And so they put a sign up on both sides of the road. It said, pardon the noise. What you hear is the sound of freedom. And I just have to think that in the moment Mary was in, she looked back at the busy and she said, pardon the noise. What you hear is the sound of freedom. 
she looked at the critics and she said, pardon the noise. What you hear is the sound of freedom. Pardon the noise to all the silence. What you hear is the sound of freedom. How can I keep silent? How can I keep quiet? How can I not worship? My my brother was dead and now he's alive. I was dead in sin, but now I'm free. Pardon the noise. Sound of freedom. It's a sound of deliverance. It's a sound of healing. It's a sound of freedom. And I love this because Jesus said later on, He goes, Wherever the gospel is preached, this woman's story will be told. Not only will her story be told, But I think this, I think that her song could probably be heard. And I don't know what song she sang in the moment. But I have to think that it went something like this. Then sings my soul, my Savior, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Can you hear our worshiping? Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee. Pardon the noise, pardon the tears. How great thou art, Lord. You're so wonderful. You're so glorious. I don't care what everybody else thinks. I don't care what onlookers think about me. Because I can't help but worship. Because I traded my sin for righteousness. I traded sickness for health. I traded mourning for joy. How can I not live my voice? How great thou art. How great thou art. Come on, church. forget the reason why we're here never forget what all he's done with every head bowed every eye closed in this place and maybe you're in this place 
you feel the presence of God right now. Because where two or three are gathered, there he is. Can I tell you about a God who loves you so much, friend? He cares so much for you that he gave everything so that you could be free. He gave everything so that you could have purpose. He gave everything so that you could be delivered. He gave everything so you could trade your mourning for dancing. He gave you everything. At One Church, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go online to imonechurch.com slash give. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at imonechurch.com. Thanks for listening and have a great week.